Hello, friends! Welcome to episode 102 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can, whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I'm Sarah. And I'm Rob. And I'm eternally confused about how to pace that now. We're in triple digits, and it's like 102. It feels weird. It rolls off the tongue differently. It does. So. You, you want to start, like, saying ought? It'll really mess you up then. Oh, no, I'm not going to fall down that rabbit hole. Yeah. No, once you start saying ought, you're going to start saying things like zed and, and not. Well, it's it's also like you could also <clears throat> do the, uh, like, uh, the 100 and like, 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 announce the 100. <laughs> Welcome to episode 102. <laughs> there you go. See? And then, then it just rolls. Then Have just another pulse-pounding episode of Storyteller Conclave. <laughs> Eventually, with the adventure, we're gonna we're gonna have to start doing that. You know that <laughs> we're so. definitely gonna have to. But this show, particularly this this system spotlight, is probably going to be our farthest to the other end of all spectrums when it comes to what we talk about. Normally. It really is. <laughs> um, so tonight uh, we are doing it's because this is the 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 second Wednesday of the month. We always do a system spotlight. Um, and so this week we are doing uh, one on Apillion. Yes. Uh, which is a little Powered by the Apocalypse game by Magpie Games. And um, I can honestly say, yeah, you're right. Like it's it is very out of scope for what we usually do and what we usually play and yet it's 100 percent storytelling oh it is it's like everything that we should be talking about mm-hmm. wrapped into one tight thing and funny enough i mean to say this i would say it's a great start point mm-hmm. if like if you wanted to have as a storyteller if you if you want to get down to the bare minimum brass tack simple you could say oh we'll start with this because it's literally just storytelling. At the same time, this is like master level coursework because yeah. of what you have to do. And we'll, yeah, we're be- going to walk through that. Because it is just storytelling. Right, right. It's it's funny. It's, it, it is the art of creating the most perfect meal. And sometimes picking the simplest meals and making them perfect is very hard. Yeah, I, I feel like this is the risotto of role playing. Yeah, know? You know I if see you can that. pull it off, you're a master chef. But at the same time, it's such a simple dish. It, it can be. Dish. It can be. Yeah. You can. You can also completely screw it up. <laughs> <laughs> it's just. It's just rice, Rob. This is rice. It's a sort of. <clears throat> that is kind of the case, but it's. Uh-huh. It's a timing. It's a feeling. It's a. Yep. It's knowing a lot more about it than you think. Yeah. So. So I originally learned about this, which you had never heard about this before. I had never heard about this. You were like, I was like, what other system spotlights can we do? And Rob's like, I know a pillion, and I'm like, what the uh, heck is a? I'm on Twitter. Right now? <laughs> exactly. And what's funny is is that the the first time I heard about it was uh, through a friend of ours um, who, funny enough, has a doctorate in gaming. Um, one of his friends is actually the creator, uh, mm-hmm. Marissa Kelly. And uh, mm-hmm. during a gaming session that I got to be in with her, he kept telling her that he wanted her to run this again. That he mm-hmm. loved it so much that he wanted to, he wanted to, and she, she was like, oh, okay, like, yeah, sure, you know, and it wasn't like she hated it, but at the same time, she was just like, there's so many other things to do, and I didn't quite understand, because they're like, oh, it's this really wonderful dragon game, and it's about dragons, and, and it's, uh, it's powered by the apocalypse, and it's, you know, and I'm like, okay, okay, and like, I didn't know a lot about powered by the apocalypse at that point, I was just really learning how many systems that it had touched mm-hmm. and what what the core components of it were. So 
I didn't really have a head, my whole head wrapped around it. So I, I did a little research afterward and was like, oh, so at first glance, I would say this is a kid's game. Mm-hmm. And then at second glance, I'm like, there's a lot going on for this to be a kid's game. Mm-hmm. So this is a non-tactical, highly narrative game. I'm going to shelf this one. We're going to come back to this. <laughs> and here we are. There's a lot to unpack here. So... Luckily, you have us to we unpack do. it We do, for and, you. and here we are, you know, a podcast and enjoyment later. So, uh, when you think of Apillion, um, for those of you who are um, word files greater than I, it is, uh, it is a, a, a poetry term mm-hmm. um, as well. But effectively, uh, it is what it sounds like. It is a game of only dragons. All the players play dragons. Yep. Um... And in a dragon world that has a history... Called Dragonia. Yep. Yep. And uh, there are... Uh, you're, you're, you are playing characters in a clutch. And clutches form all the time. You can have different types of clutches. Clutches can be in your past. So it's not so much that you have one set of parents or one guidance or one thing in your life. As, a, as you live as a dragon... You may be connected to multiple clutches, but this is your current clutch, mm-hmm. your current family, if you will. Um, and you have bonds to them. And just like any good uh, Powered by the Apocalypse game, um, it leans into that connectivity between the players and why you guys are together. And that promotes the creation of the rest of the world. Though there is a history, mm-hmm. the history is not finite in the sense of this happened in this location in this way. It is more of a things happened in the past in this way, fill in the holes as yep. players. And yep. that is where that is where the the DM, the Dragon Master, steps in to ask the players about it. So And that's that's very common of powered by the apocalypse games. Um, mm-hmm. you see that in uh Dungeon World, you see that yep. in uh Urban Shadows, uh where part of um, character creation and a group creation, I suppose, clutch creation in this in this case, um, is actually saying like, okay, well, what are some events that took place in the past, and where are those places on the map? Yeah, you know, let's let's create the world along with our characters, and then we can all incorporate, we can all have a say in that and incorporate that all into the story. Exactly. So, in the sense that Apillion is a part of the apocalypse and does this. The session zero where you're taking the characters that have been created uh, by the players and realistically you're together weaving and answering the questions. You're literally drawing into the map. You're saying where things occurred, how they occurred, how players were involved with that, the player characters were involved with that, how they were involved with each other, how their bonds connected to each other. And there's a physical element in this game as well, mm-hmm. the gems. So, uh, yeah, this and this is kind of where it starts getting. Um, I, I, I will later in this outline uh, <laughs> com- compare this to uh, uh, My Little Pony: Friendship Is Magic. Yes. Um, just simply because there there's a a mechanic in the in the in the the game that runs kind of along the same lines of uh, Benny's from Savage Worlds or uh, Fate Points from uh, from Fate. Um, where uh, you can give friendship gems to other players. 
Um, and these friendship gems are actually what are used to uh, power your moon magic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the whole magic system is based off of the moons in here. We'll get into that in a little bit. Um, but the friendship gems are important because um, each of your every single character is going to have a particular virtue that they hold as um, uh, especially special to them. Right. And when another player exhibits your virtue, you have the option of then giving them a friendship gem. You cannot cast magic with your own gems. Correct. And so what this represents is the bonds of friendship between your clutch mates deepening when they do something that, quote unquote, you like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I honor courage in other people and Rob's dragon, you know, decides to stand out in front of the uh, the, the, the bad guy and, and call him a jerk to his face mm-hmm. uh, and tell him to go pick on someone his own size, well, that's a courageous act. I give him a friendship gem for that. Um, and that then becomes a kind of a transactional mechanic of doing things and supporting your clutch mates. Yes. And it's uh, – and the magic – uh, starts in a different way. For instance, uh, a lot of times uh, game systems will use uh, a, a narrow beam of magic and then you refine what you can do with it and lean into something mm-hmm. in, a, in a class. Whereas this one, your your magical path is very wide. You can affect uh, multiple areas. And then as your character progresses ages, mm-hmm. you narrow that focus literally to a point. Where this is what you were amazing at, and this is only thing you can do. Yeah, that seems it was a really cool concept. There's actually one of the things, the biggest things that grabbed me in this game, um, as I was reading it over, is uh, there, first off, there's a lot of fives in this game. Yes, uh, there are five houses, there are five moons, there are five stages of Dragon Age. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot, a lot of things are in fives. So the each one of the moons um, has something different that they represent, uh, and it's like. Stone, void, spirit, um, uh, freedom, and there's one other one that I'm not remembering now. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't remember but, all of them. But they each represent something, which is like uh, protection or change. Oh, uh, storm. Storm. The storm. Okay. Um, and the storm is basically going to be like your offensive sort of stuff, mm-hmm. uh, affecting violent change. Um, yes. Uh, void is like all about protection. Um, spirit is all about healing and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So depending on what you want to do, you call upon that various moon. Um, so the stages of your character progression... Um, as you gain experience, you're going to actually not go up in quote-unquote level, but you're going to go up in age. Yes. Your character physically grows and changes mm-hmm. um, from just a small little, uh, what do they call soft-scale drake, mm-hmm. um, all the way up to like a bearded dragon and an elder ancient dragon. Yeah, and there's... There is a pretense in the story that they that that hierarchy that age has meaning to the point where they can become the final form of a dragon is one of two things mm-hmm. they are either a mystic or an ancient and a mystic literally is an enormous moonstone statue it's, it's a, a statue. physical you, you statue become a statue but you are the perfect form of your 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 final form basically mm-hmm. and then ancients are uh they call ethereal and mute servants of the moon. They're basically ghost dragons. Uh, kind of, yeah. They're 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 they're, they're friendly ghost dragons, essentially. Yeah. 
Yeah, you, you may be out in a field dealing with something crazy, and you call upon the power of your your clear moon, and out of the light of the moon comes this ethereal-looking ancient dragon who lands, does something silently before you in an amazing display, and then leaves. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh god, that was an ancient <laughs> ocean. Yes. You know, and it it puts you already in the mind frame of where you become, whereas... D&D and many of these others that don't have a finite finish point, you really have nothing to look up to. There's mm-hmm. no statue. There's no hard end to look at and say, I wish to be this. Right, you know? right, right. And this paints it in black and white in such a eloquent, beautiful way. I think the, the, I mean, overall, the advancement in this is just so unique because not only are you going up like growth stages and stuff mm-hmm. like that as you level up, um, in a very typical part by the apocalypse way, each there, there's actually three advancements mm-hmm. you need to take per level. So it's so it's not just like, uh, you know, we played one session and all of a sudden now I'm I'm a great dragon or something. Sure, like that. sure. You know, it's it's you're not going to go up that quick. Um, you basically need to loop. The, the experience chart three mm-hmm. times because each one you choose one of the three advancements. When you pick your third advancement, you go up to the next growth stage. Right. One of the other things that happens, though, is, uh, as we kind of mentioned earlier, is that you have access to all this moon magic, right? Right. When you start getting into, low, into higher stages of growth, you start losing moons. Yeah. But all the moons you do keep go up in power. And right. so your magic becomes less jack-of-all-trades and much more master of one. Right. Like, imagine if in D&D you could no longer cast any fire magic, but now your water magic is doing twice as much. Exactly. Every one of your water spells are maximized. Exactly. And then eventually you, use, you lose earth, too, but now your your uh, water is, doing, uh, is now extended. Mm-hmm. You know, but you can still do something else. And so you're, you're basically keep narrowing Narrowing that focus until you come to a point of it. Yep. Uh, so, I mean, that, that's really great. And then, of course, um, like we said, you know, you've, you've kind of got an endpoint. And I think the really interesting thing about the endpoint, too, is that uh, whether you become this, uh, you know, mystical moonstone statue exemplifying the perfect form of your of your draconic heritage or if you become one of these great ghost, you know, mm-hmm. ghost spirits that, that kind of, you know, fly around and... Uh, uh, and and help others from beyond uh, existence, I suppose. Right. Um, you actually kind of become part of the lore. Yeah. So, like, if you were to then play another game, your old character might be, you know, well, let's go to this temple. I heard the old, uh, um, you know, the old the old statue of of you know Marisol, the ancient dragon, is mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And you'd be like. Hey, that, that's my old that's character. My old character. That's, that's, that's my old character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was pretty courageous, so they're they're gonna they're gonna want courage. So right. They're gonna go talk to the statue of my old character. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> or and and I've seen people who've written it up where they played a couple complete games, and one of the games actually had all of them become um, mystics, mm-hmm. and they were a group, a half circle somewhere. Oh, cool. So that the moon shined on them in phases. Oh, neat. So you could go and visit and talk to each one of them during their phase. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, I thought that was a really sweet way of handling it. Um, and a neat way as a storyteller to let your players continue. You let mm-hmm. let, let each one of their stories stay on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, another neat uh, thing about this uh, that 
Hard Ride Apocalypse does really well is it, again, puts you directly into play very quickly with playbooks. And playbooks are a... Uh, are a shorthand to get you started. They give you everything you need for your effective class. Um, in this case, academic, crafter, daredevil, adept nature, the seer, or the warrior. Mm-hmm. And paints out exactly everything you need to fill in. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's effectively a character sheet by class, which is funny because that's what we used to do in second edition and even third edition uh-huh. you know where you'd get your specialized sheet for your ranger and there was all of the stuff already painted out for you and it had a special spot for your animal companion yeah. and you know so extra arrow slots because you're playing a ranger right you know? and this one leans into their areas of uh, uh of effect and their specific mm-hmm. moves that they go for um and it doesn't limit you from a little bit of creativity because there is, um, there are the uh, different um, factions of mm-hmm. dragons uh, that are out there. So you can have variants within that, and you obviously are answering questions that make the world um, and where you fit into the world. Uh, but it literally walks you through the character creation. So character creation is pretty easy. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty straightforward. There isn't I mean it's 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 very typical of powered by the apocalypse games to have this sort of character creation where mm-hmm. um literally it's just check boxes for the most part, yeah. And it's like yeah, choose, choose uh two of these three options. Yeah. You know, but literally put a check mark next to them, you yep. know. Um there's there's not there's, there's no dice rolling, Mm-mm. you know, for it uh at least not until you get into play. Correct. I mean, but but as far as character creation goes, there's no dice rolling. There's no um there's only a, a few options to choose. Um, but every dragon has just enough specificity to, um, or I should say each playbook has just enough specific, specific, you're fine. Specificity to, I don't, think, don't hurt yourself. Kid. No, no, no. We're going to, we're <laughs> just going to leave that one. Um, has enough detail yes. to, <laughs> to, uh, uh, to give them a, a full fleshed out thing, but leaves enough vagary to, um, allow you to fill in the blanks with your own personality, your mm-hmm. own hopes, dreams, and stuff like that, and kind of make your own unique combination um, without it ever getting too deep and into the realm of, like, uh, you know, uh, paralysis of, yeah. you know, choice paralysis. And for players' sake, the character sheets aren't even to the point where you're leaning into a tactical advantage in anything. Mm-hmm. There is no tactical advantage, period. It is it is completely based upon how you're going to handle things socially. Are you because you only have three stats? You literally only have three stats. You have honor, curiosity, uh, or ambition uh, that fit into what you're doing, and the attributes themselves. Let me see if I can remember where they where I put those. Uh, the attributes are charm, courage, and cunning. Thank you. Yes, I had to find those real quick in the the sheet here. So when you think about it, you're like. That's not strength. That's not dexterity. That's, yeah, that's not you know, constitution. No, the, there's the, nothing the, in here that says this is how many hit points. This you goes have. back to our original discussion of how do you handle social encounters in D and D. This this is basically like we're throwing everything else out so you can focus on this, right? And so this is where my brain always goes to the if you're having a hard time figuring out how to handle social encounters in the other game, I dare you to play a pillion. Mm-hmm. And and do it do it quote unquote right, because that's all you get to focus on in this. Yep, is social interaction and what is meaningful 
and what is what is consequence based. I mean, it reminds me a little bit of um, uh, Legend of the Five Rings in that uh, because their attributes were very um, off kilter as well. Mm-hmm. You know, you didn't have strength and constitution; you had water yeah. and air mm-hmm. <laughs> and fire and void. You know, right? But at the same time, you're you're just putting different labels. On some of the traditional stats, but you're but you're not though. But they because, handle it different. But because visually, those, yeah. Because those those attributes in Legend of the Five Rings don't equi- like it's not a one like yeah, fire is not just a fancy name for strength. Exactly. That's that's the one thing that you have to step away from in your head yeah. is that you're not just relabeling. So what? It, but what it does is it dictates an approach. Correct. Okay, you use in Legend of the Five Rings. You use water stance if you're going to try to use a like, or I should say, I use like air stance if you want to be like cunning and maybe trickery about it you know using right. your cleverness to do this you know um you use fire if your approach to solving a problem is an appeal to emotion mm-hmm. or to be to do something angrily and try to evoke you know either emotion right. in yourself or others or something like that it doesn't matter what you're doing if you're fighting right or if you're talking or if you're sneaking it's how your approach dictate is is dictated by those by those elements and it's very much the same way in a pillion where you've mm-hmm. got um what were these again? Uh, 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 charm, courage, and ch- and cunning. It's in the Char- system. Yeah, section. there it is. Char- charm, charm, courage, and cunning. Yeah, you know. So, sure, you may actually get into some sort of a physical altercation, mm-hmm. but there's no strength check. You know, no. it's it's how are you coming at this? Well, I'm going to try to maybe you know overpower him. Okay, so you're going to meet him strength for strength. That sounds awfully courageous of mm-hmm. you. Correct. You know. You know, or are you going to try and hip check him and use his strength against him? Yeah, you're going to try to set him off balance. Well, that's a cunning move of you. Yeah. You know? You know, but at the same time, it's all just about con- con- having a conversation and finding the consequence. Yeah. And that's one of the key points of this is that you're not ever going to weigh the little things. And I say the little things is if there's an assumption, then it just is. Mm-hmm. There's no reason, there's no question about it. But if it's something that has question, that has a consequential question put to it, then then dice come out. Then it matters to start playing into the game and dealing with a move. Now you're making a move to change something. But I mean, if you're if you go to a party and you know one of the players is just like, yeah, I I eat all the desserts. There's there's no check for that. Yeah, he is literally Morg, the destroyer of foods. That's in his <laughs> character name. We know that that's going to happen. It's a given, mm-hmm. right? But on the other hand, you know, if during uh, one of the Elder Dragon speeches, he makes it a point to basically belch right during an important part of it to make a point, mm-hmm. to stutter him, to knock him off, basically to to question his the reason why he's even talking about this person and, and making these statements, okay, now, now you're challenging an elder. Now you're making a move. Yep. Yep. And that's where things really get interesting and where you have to think about the social aspects. How is this changing gameplay? Mm-hmm. How is this changing the story? And that's when it changes your mind frame about things and about when you make a role, when a role makes a difference. Right, right. And um, keeping in mind, too, much like other Powered by the Apocalypse properties, um, you've got your standard 2d6 plus plus attribute usually. Right. Yep. Um, your target number is always going to be 7 for bare minimum success. 
Yes. You've got seven to nine is um I forget what they call, it, but it's a partial success essentially. You have you have a success, but you may have a success with consequences. Basically, you've you've got uh, some kind of a tag, a price tag associated with it. And then and then ten and up is is a resounding success. Correct. You, you do the thing you 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 attempted. Correct. Um, and then uh, anything six or lower is not necessarily a failure. Correct. You may still accomplish it, but there may be some additional consequences on top of it and such like that. Yeah. And so it's important to remember this is not a pass or fail system. Mm-hmm. You know, this is just a, I don't know, what do the dice have to say about it? Is it is it a, a bad, is it a neutral, or is it a good outcome to the thing that you were trying to do? And the story yeah. continues. Yeah. You Do you push the block off the ledge? Great. You did. You did fail to notice that the other side of the block had a hook on it with a rope that is now quickly unraveling and grabs your foot. Mm-hmm. No, that, that's a failure. Clearly, you're getting dragged right off. Now, did you push the block off? You did. Mm-hmm. You showed off your, your feet of strength, and then everybody watched you get sucked right off the edge of the tower. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't always have to be as dire as that either. But but, but know, that's another point to this whole thing is dire is objective. There is no death spiral in this. There are no hit points in this game. Yeah. See, yeah, the the damage system was the other thing that really but so the damage system kind of plays a little bit into the into the lore. So I almost think we need to talk about the lore before we can talk about the damage system. Alright, alright, we can lean into lore here for a second. Alright, so the Dragonia. Setting, Dragonia. Yes. Um is a vast continent um, mm-hmm. filled with draconic cities, uh, strongholds and such like that. Ancient ruins. Um and basically, it's it's filled with dangerous waters. It's kind of the contrivance of, like, it's only one continent on a major planet, but we don't know what else is out there because the waters are so dangerous to traverse. Right. And they don't build boats, clearly, or whatever. Well, they, but if they, they, did, they do, but the word kraken gets used more correct. than once. <laughs> and, and as they state, krakens literally can eat a dragon whole. Yeah. Like, whole. So there are rumors that people have made it across the sea, you know, using big boats and whatnot, but we've never heard back from them. So right. So the, the those... conceit is: look, it's just Dragonia. Stay here, okay? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and uh, essentially, the dragons um, are a sort of uh, almost like a I, I refer to it as a socialist utopia. Um, they're sure, very community that, driven. Yeah. They're very um, centered on what's best for everybody, fostering younger generations. Um, dragons don't have uh, gender or sex, mm-hmm. so uh, they, in fact, um, encourage a gender neutral pronoun for mm-hmm. them, um, and even give you a new pronoun, uh, Driz. Yeah. Um, as uh, as in, uh, he flapped Driz wings. Yeah. Um, to to use for them. So there's there's like a lot of the inequalities and such like that that that, that take place in our world, and a lot of the motivations for inequalities and stuff like that don't take place in draconic society. Um, found family is a very big thing. Yes, uh, and such like that. So these clutches form for all sorts of things, and mm-hmm. and generally, um, everybody tries to look out for one another. Yes. Uh, now this wasn't always so. Yeah. There was an adversary, just simply referred to as the darkness (laughs) and uh the darkness crept up um a while back and was called the war of shadows Mm -hmm. and the war of shadows was essentially um fought over a corruption that seeped into dragons and dragon kind um and it it takes some other manifestations too but the, Mm -hmm. the major threat to dragon kind is that it corrupts them 
and turns them evil. Yes. And see if this sounds familiar to any of you <laughs> fantasy buffs. When a dragon gives into the shadow, when it gives into the darkness, um, they tend to become very uh, self-centered loners mm-hmm. that hoard gold yep. and live apart from the rest of dragon society. Hidden away in caves. Hidden away and jealously guarding their riches. Yes. Yeah, those those guys, are the, those are the bad guys. Yeah. You know, we want to save those dragons from, from this darkness that seeped into them because we're not like that, guys. Yeah. We're, we're not jerks who hide away and, and covet gold. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's literally like... There there were aspects of this as I was reading through the sections of lore and getting a better understanding of it, where I felt like literally somebody went and watched other people play Amber and said, that's not the social game I want to play. <laughs> I want to write the exact opposite of that. Yeah, <laughs> if I can. Uh, and, and, and basically figure out a way to do it. And I think it does it beautifully. I think it flips that script beautifully, but I also think it pokes a lot of fun at D&D Dragons. Oh, it does. In that sense, directly. It does, it does. It, it, it flips a lot of cool conventions on their on their head, and it makes it, it paints a really interesting picture. Um, but the reason we needed to tell you all of that before we get into the damage system is because the damage system is based around shadow and darkness. Yeah, you don't necessarily take damage. No, in the sense that like you have hit points or whatever, um, or even a stress track like uh, like in other games like Fate. Um, so you have uh, shadow. That you incur. And when you take shadow, um, it builds up. And if it builds up enough, you may take a darkness point. And it might be things like envy or uh, fear. Yeah. Um, you lose your draganity? Yeah, you will. <laughs> what you're doing is you're giving into these um, uh, fears and doubts and selfishness mm-hmm. and such like that that draw you apart from dragon society mm-hmm. it's the opposite of things like love and trust and whatnot that are that are these good things that bind dragon society together again it it, it hits back to some of the stuff from uh um werewolf and vampire yeah a little bit like there's there's definite edge there where again we're circling back to that concept of goodness and humanity mm-hmm. and and stepping into the darkness and losing oneself to to these this horror if you will. And if you're you're overcome by the shadow, you become your shadow self. Mm-hmm. You become a shadow dragon, basically. Um, and a shadow dragon is one of these self-centered, hoarding, awful, you know, creatures Beasts, yeah. that, that, that we that we know about. Um, and now that that isn't like the end of your character, though. Like you don't die because of that. Mm-hmm. You're just a jerk for a bit. Mm-hmm. Um. And of course, you're encouraged to roleplay all that. Mm-hmm. And there is, it, it varies per um, class, per playbook that you're right. that you're using um, on how you need to get snapped out of that. But the the short version is, someone essentially needs to call you on your BS, mm-hmm. and you need to humbly accept that you have given into the shadow, and essentially repent. And when you acknowledge that you've been a huge jerk and that you've been taken by the shadow and you you take an active step to get away from it that's when you reclaim your your 
humanity, your dragoninity. Yes. And um, your place in society. Like any good 80s movie. <laughs> all of your shadow points are shed and you're back to right. quote you're, unquote full health. Yeah. If, if, if you've watched any 80s movies or even children's shows where one of the main characters, I don't know, tries revenge as his direct tactic and then mm. realizes the fault of his ways and tries to get back with the group. Hey and... everyone, Zuko here. Yeah. <laughs> Hey guys, <laughs> yeah. Why am I so bad at being good? <laughs> exactly, but it's a reoccurring theme. But it yeah. it really is painted here in black and white for us, and I think it's I think it's well done. I think it's really well explained and well done. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, all right. So where are we at? Uh, we talked a little bit about the um about the setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a bunch of different houses and such like that. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So uh, they fit into the the I will say lore. Yeah, they fit into the lore very nicely. Yeah. Um, and kind of give uh, different uh, societal outlooks yeah. on, on the total of Dragon Society. Um, there is one uh, one house that actually took up with the shadow mm-hmm. when it uh, when, when that all went down. Um, and then kind of where, where the story sits is there was this big war, of, uh, war with the shadow. Mm-hmm. Um, and... They eventually destroyed it, but there was a great seer, Fly Rain, uh, that prophesied that the darkness would rise again. Mm-hmm. And then it didn't happen, and then it didn't happen, and time passed, and it didn't happen, and everybody got complacent. Mm-hmm. And now there are rumors that on the edges of Dra- uh, Draconia, or Dra- Dragonia, uh, things are starting to get a little shady. It's it's the beginning of Lord of the Rings. Yeah, and like literally everyone got complacent and kind of just went things but right on the edge of things is where things start to you know but the big elder dragons have bigger fish to fry they've got dragon society to run dragons to feed you know uh, gilder to blame for it gilder, you know, <laughs> my wife to murder and gilder to blame for it i'm swamped yeah. um and so uh you know hey those clutches of young young drakes they can they can send them out to figure out what investigate find out if there's anything up to it it'll be a first great little adventure for them go out into the world i'm sure they're not gonna find anything yeah but uh uh, and that's that's kind of where your inherent adventure hook is Mm -hmm. is we're in an age where darkness is seeping back into draconic society and you're just a young young drake that's needs to do something about it so real cool real cool but also like at the same time, very simple. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's a surprising amount of depth you can get out of it um, if you're looking for it. Oh, one hundred percent. You can you could take this and make it a very serious game. Mm-hmm. Like and and take all of the moments very seriously and DC the heck out of this thing. Yeah, like just just put on the serious face. Talk about serious backgrounds and the serious people that you that you do with, and and play it on that hard level, and still have a very enjoyable game mm-hmm. because the mechanics are all there. Or you can literally play My Little Ponies. One hundred percent. Yeah, you, you go the other way. It's all social. I think one of the things that Marissa did a great job of, and this was kickstarted back in 2015. Mm-hmm. It, it went successfully. They have it available on their website now. You can buy it. And actually, I think it's on sale. I think you can get a pack on sale. Um, but uh, they've got their core rulebook, which has uh, uh, the playbooks and everything you need in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the Encyclopedia Draconica, which is an extension of more lore and more playbooks and more moves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they actually came out with a dragon deck of pre-made characters. So 
you could, in theory, play this at a campsite. Yeah. With 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 very little needs, um, and of course, new custom dice because yeah. why not? And that's that's one of the big things that, like you mentioned, playing it around a campfire. That's one of the things that really like kind of hit me about it was how remarkably light, but also offering in depth the the system was. Um, and of course, the 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 th- every page you read mm-hmm. kind of drips with this like fans of My Little Pony should rejoice. You know, I agree. I mean, I I don't I don't want to say that's just what the game is. Obviously, no. like I said, there's there's a surprising amount of depth here. But like, if you are looking for a game you can play with like your eight year old daughters, mm-hmm. this is three hundred percent it. Um. And, and and let me sell you on this. Okay, so strong emphasis on bonds, mm-hmm. friendships, and virtues. One hundred percent. Um. So a lot of those, like again, if you are a fan of like My Little Pony or other properties like it, um, where you're kind of looking for that wholesome sort of like we can defeat the bad guy by just you know saying like, hey buddy, what's wrong? Have a muffin, you know. You you can absolutely do that in this game, and it, it's it's kind of built up around for it. Um, at the same time, look at GI Joe; it did the same thing. It kind of did the same. But thing, again, yeah. and it talked about the darkness way more than My Little Pony ever mm-hmm. did. So again, you can lean into that version of your playstyle as well, where everyone's going to make it in the end, but there's some serious consequences yeah. and a lot of mystery going on here. You know. Now the main ebb and flow of your game mechanics. <laughs> Uh, revolve around friendship and trust, rejecting the darkness, which is your selfish selfishness, pride, mistrust, greed, etc. Et oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and when I say the ebb and flow of your game mechanics, I'm talking specifically about like those friendship tokens. Mm-hmm. You know, so encouraging others in your group and being supportive of them and giving them these tokens, and then them having them do amazing things with it. Yeah. And then you know those tokens come back to you, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um. And then you've got your like your typically evil dragons or these solitary, you know, sleeping in their in caves and their hordes of gold, um, are literally the dragons that you become if you give into the darkness. Um it all exists around the familial bonds, the common good, fostering newer generations, defending the commonwealth, like mm-hmm. all absolutely wholesome things. Yes. Like I would be delighted to play this with children. Um and then on top of that, too, like, man, if you ever game with kids, kids are so creative. They really are. Like, we're 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 over forty. You know, we've got our our heads stuck up our own rears a lot of the time as far as creativity and stuff like that. We fall into our own tropes just because we've been doing this for so long. But man, you sit a kid down and you ask him, like, "Hey, let's let's tell a story. What type of dragon do you want to be?" And they're like, "I want to be a big blue one with." big rainbow wings and you're like awesome we can do that yeah this is the game where you can do that you yeah know? yeah and i mean i've heard so many stories about people playing like dungeons and dragons with their kids and uh being surprised when they didn't want to roll initiative and draw swords when they wanted to ask the bad guy what was wrong and who hurt him yeah and fix what was wrong with him have a social game have a social game and and then the bad guy suddenly becomes like an ally of the group yeah. because they just listened to him yeah. and got him a sandwich. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you look like you need a V8. <laughs> yeah. Oh, do you need a hug? Yeah. Like, and that's an absolutely viable thing in this game yeah. because, because that's what the darkness is and that's how you combat it with love and trust, you yeah. know? Um, 
And I would, like I said, I would love to play this with like a group of just imaginative eight year olds. Yeah. And just see where they, see where they can go, you know? Yeah. And I think the other, the other thing too, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about this when we get into like the kind of pros and cons like we always do. Mm -hmm. Um, but one of the, one of the, the things that always strikes me about part by the apocalypse games is that they require so much player input. Yeah. Um, they refer to the, the storytelling narrative as the conversation, mm-hmm. mostly because the storyteller is really only kind of setting scene pieces out there. And it's really the players that are telling the story. You know, my character does this and does this. And the character the, the storyteller might ask, like, OK, well, what uh, what sort of what sort of building is this all taking place in? Oh, it's a, an elaborate temple. OK, OK. Uh, Rob, can you describe a little bit about this temple? Oh, OK. Um, there are, you know, tall arched windows and white marble and gold inlays and stuff like that. OK, cool. And, uh, uh, you know, Sarah, what um, there's a big symbol on the floor of this temple. What is that symbol? Mm-hmm. Oh, uh. It's the storm moon. Okay, so you're in the temple of the storm moon. Excellent. Cool. Yeah. You know, but it requires all this input from everybody. Right. You know, and for me, that's a bit of a con. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's again just for me. Right. I'm going to qualify that as an opinion and not an objective fact. Simply because sometimes I'm just not feeling up to writing your story for you. I right. want to be told a story from a storyteller yep. and not have to input constantly mm-hmm. beyond just what my character is doing right man i'll tell you what you set a couple of imaginative kids down you tell them they're going to play dragons and you start asking them what does this temple look like mm-hmm. you are going to hear some wild answers and that's going to be a fun story yeah and i i think that's i think for me i see it in the sense that i often get players who love filling out their characters to an nth degree Mm -hmm. where they, you know, how they got the sword that they have, how they uh, got the scars their character has. They're drawing pictures. They're, they're doing everything but playing the game that's set before them. Mm -hmm. They want to continue stories on their own and seeing this is going, Oh, this is right up their alley. Yeah. This is literally me stepping back going, okay, so, uh, so you're, uh, you're one of the dragons of courage. Um, in your previous clutch, uh, you had a mentor. What was uh, what was their name? And them just going off. Okay, okay, that's that's fantastic. Uh, did you guys train in the old city or the new city? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the old city was built on the, the is on the new city, so it's the the under oh the catacombs. Oh, did you ever go down to those catacombs by yourself? Oh, I I never would do that. Oh, yeah. okay, so you know, and literally those kinds of questions drag out more about the character and give you as the dragon master more story mm-hmm. and places and, and feelings. And you're, you're building this network based uh, and, and web of connectivity points that your players are putting out there and you're physically drawing them on the map. You're writing them down together mm-hmm. so that you have this elaborate story that's there waiting. That's just one scene to the next. And, because it's it's about getting through these moves and resolutions that eventually bring you to your closing every session. And like <laughs> all good sessions that come to a close with how did the game play out? Who did these things? What virtues were exposed? Mm-hmm. You recap basically all of the main points of the story. 
And that makes the narration a group effort that isn't as forced. It is necessary, but it doesn't necessarily have to be as forced, but it does take a certain player Mm -hmm. and a certain mind frame going into it every time. But I think it draws a lot of excitement on its own. You know what you're getting into. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I think it does, like, just like you were saying, I think if you as the story, as the as the, as the dungeon, uh, dragon master for this, um, are ill-prepared going in, your mind frame isn't in the right place, don't run that session. Yeah, yeah. It's going to, everyone's going to feel it. It also kind of requires all of your players to be high energy. So if someone's having an off day and stuff like that, it's going to be noticeable in their contribution to the story. I think they have to have energy. I don't necessarily know high energy, but I can see where you're coming well, from. Well, what I'm saying aspect. is, you, you 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 can't just autopilot. You know, like in a D and D game, you can arguably just kind of be like, yeah, my my character just kind of goes along with the rest of the group. Roll initiative. Okay, cool. Yeah, uh, I I hit the goblin. Here's yeah. my damage. Yeah, and then you can go back on autopilot after that and you you can low energy your way through a dnd session you probably shouldn't do it all the time but you know if, if you're if you're having a rough patch if work wore you out if you're feeling depressed that day whatever you can do it yeah you can part you can be an active participant in a dnd game and, and do that yeah powered by the apocalypse games apillion specifically you're not really able to do that because your participation is asked for so often yeah um, and so you're going to, you're going to need to be able to be at least a, a little bit creative mm-hmm. when the storyteller asks you, okay, well, what is the symbol on the floor of the temple? Man, I don't know. Like I'm half asleep here. I'm, I'm barely present. Like it's a sun. Sure. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it, it's, 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 it's tough to do that in this game and maintain the flow and maintain the mood. Yeah. And honestly, I, you know, uh, like, uh, Nox is saying in the chat, like they get so, uh, get so nervous about high social games uh, that you run into spoons. Yeah, just just the thought of getting into a high social game runs you low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And th- that's understandable. That's just not a play style that you want to get into. Mm-hmm. So n- it's one of the reasons why we do the system spotlights is that you know, powered by the apocalypse games for the most part are a high energy requiring system. It needs you to be on with the storyteller mm-hmm. in most of the systems, and this is definitely no exception. It sits on the far end of that scale. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So you do do you want to do you want to get into like the the hard pros and cons? Yeah, we're, we're getting, yeah. We're let's, getting pretty let's, late. Let's, the, uh, yeah, let's do this. The episode here. All right. So, what does Apillion do well? Um, so, first off, like I talked about earlier, very family friendly. So, if you're worried about the, that a game might be too heavy with death and consequences and evil, scary liches or dystopian megacorps. This ain't it, fam. No. Um, it's a game that focuses heavily on wholesomeness, and it can easily be fun for all ages, both adults and, and children's alike. Um, I will say that it's narrative heavy. Um, so if you if you want to do a lot of make believe, uh, come up with you know elaborate character histories, be able to answer questions on the fly and be part of it, it is a conversational game. 95% of this game is going to be just sitting around talking. You're not going to be moving miniatures. You're not going to be, you know, uh, you know, riddling your way past guards and things like that. You're just going to be making major contributions to what the world is and then making moves. Mm-hmm. And and that's all conversation. That's sitting around on a couch. Yeah. You know? Uh, I would say probably one of my one of the other big ones is uh, party integrity, mm. um, is that... It, Baked right into the system and baked right into the storytelling style. Uh, no player is an island. 
Uh, and most of the resources you use in this game must come from other players. So fostering relationship bonds between your clutch mates is one of the most important aspects of the story. You start off during character creation by actually writing out like physical, you know, like words that say like, okay, this character I met in the past and we had an adventure together. Mm-hmm. And then you start by just, it literally ends the sentence with take one friendship gem from them. Yeah. And so that's how kind of you, you get started with that, but it also encourages that all along the way of leaning on and supporting and getting support from all the rest of your party. It's very fellowship in the ring of, of the ring in Mm -hmm. that, um, that the real treasure is the friends you made along the way. It, it literally is quite literally. It is literally that. Yes. Um, it is narrative challenge, which is interesting because I, although I said it's narrative heavy, it does uh, allow the storyteller to have a challenging time with it. And it puts you in a different place because now you are handing over more of the story to the players and you are having to focus on the importance of the plot. Mm-hmm. And it's not on rails because you can't rail when the players can literally create on the fly. Yep. You're looking for the arc. You're watching for the moments. You're letting your players develop that together and write the scene together the yes and moments and that can make a very strong group for a lot of other games oh it absolutely can like moving from something like this where you can you built a strong group with a pillion and then you move into something like D &D, it makes that D &D game exceptionally different Mm -hmm. it's going to make a 7c game exceptionally different yeah and i think that's one of the things that is a strong point about this is that it can it it can be a character a a a party building game system in Mm -hmm. that sense uh, one of the things I really like about the system is that, uh, like like some of the other Powered by the Apocalypse systems that we've explored before, there is a hard end to your character. Mm-hmm. Um, in that when your character grows up and becomes an ancient or a mystic, their story comes to an end. Um, it gives a, fine, a, a sort of note of finality or purpose uh, to your characters. Um, it also provides an inlet to add them to existing lore. Uh, because, you know, becoming a big damn statue that is the embodiment of charity yeah, is neat. And so if future generations, you know, wish to go and visit your old statue form, you're there. It's beautiful. It's it really, really beautiful. beautiful. It's really beautiful. Um, I want to step into what it doesn't do well. Okay. Number one, uh, there are no numbers, really. This isn't a numbers game. There's no tactical <laughs> numerology. You're not going to have supremacy you're never going to to uh, be uh, moving yourself in a direction to become the powerful character. There's no builds. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. There, there are no builds for this game. If you try and look for builds, you are literally moving into the darkness that the game is pointing out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, are, you, are, you are leveraging the darkness, and at that point, you're moving, you, you shouldn't be playing this game. Yeah, yeah they're, 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 you have missed the point, and you've yeah. lost the plot. Exactly, exactly. It is it is a light-hearted game about dragons and finding friendship and taking care of each other mm-hmm. and, and lifting each other up. So if... If your thought is I'm going to become the best backstabby bar, you know, uh, you know, bard or, or rogue who's going to actually steal from my own group and move on, 
Uh, yeah, this this you're thing. already playing one of the bad guys. You're, you're, you've already hey, are you the baddie? Yes, I, yes, you are the baddie. <laughs> you are the baddie. Uh, so I talked a little bit about the conversation earlier. Um, how some players are not looking for an experience that requires them to tell a large chunk of the story. Um, some of you who are socially anxious or maybe not that creative on the spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, some of you can can write amazing things, just not when I say okay, go. Yeah, you know. Uh, and, or, or just passive in nature. Um, you're going to find this game challenging at best. Uh, come ready to talk and contribute. Yes. Bring, bring, bring your A game if you're going to play this and maybe think about playing another game if you're not someone who wants to contribute. Yeah. Um, I will lean into what Sarah said earlier. This is not grimdark. This is not gritty realism. This isn't uh mechanics that that push toward anything other than saccharine sweet moments Mm -hmm. you know where at the end of the day you realize you know end of a session you have watched my little pony play out before you Mm -hmm. and everything comes to fruition i mean you may be left on a cliffhanger but at the same time your whole group is going what do we do now yeah literally with that level of tone and it's 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 it is a bit much because to hold that plastic smile and age and wonder of of your of your dragons like instead of being the oh crap I don't want to go to Candy Mountain you know <laughs> be the crotchety dragon you know I mean look there there is there is there is absolutely a charm to like you know the dragon who's been sending you on your missions being like yes and now that you've brought it back I shall take it all for myself yeah and you're like. <gasps> He's given into the shadow. Then, Don't like, do it. The whole next next session is like his redemption arc where you mm-hmm. try to pull him back from it and make him realize he's been a jerk. Yep. And you yep. bop him on the nose with a rolled up newspaper and that's nope. the end. You know? Vivek, no. Bye, Vivek, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, this is a, a, uh, uh, the system lends itself to being a just an absolutely saccharine game that mm-hmm. runs on good vibes. And yeah. so if you are looking for something a little more gritty and realistic, you might have a harder time with a game that has friendship gems as a mechanic. <laughs> truth. Truth. I will <laughs> I will agree with that statement. I will say. Although, cool gems. Cool gems. Cool gems. Cool no, gems. absolutely. I love it. I love yeah. it. But uh, but Grim Hollow, this is not. No, no, no. And I, I, I would also say for a really hot moment, you, you because of that, it you have to play this visibly. Yeah. I think expressions and meaning and voice has a lot to do with this game. You could do it online. I've seen people do it over Skype and stuff like that. But there's something about handing somebody a gem, mm-hmm. you know, of hope and wonder. Of hope and wonder and light. <laughs> That's right. I can see it sparkling like the light in your heart, Rob. It's, see? <laughs> see? And you tell me you're not ready for this game. You are so selling yourself no, playing I, this I game. Could. I could. Do, I, could do, I could at least do a one shot. I, I really could. I think we should. I really think we Just should. Just after all of this should. COVID crap, we should oh totally do it's that. A, it's a palate cleanser. <laughs> I kind of is. I think we need this kind of joy right now. I do. I do. Uh, Anything else you got? Yeah, well, uh, so you brought narrative challenge up as a as a pro. I'm going to bring narrative challenge up as a con. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> um, and that is, uh, it can be a little like herding cats to try to keep your players on track when so much of the narrative power is placed in their hands. Um, if you're a storyteller that likes to like just jam a few ghouls in a crypt, point your players at it, and call that a plot, yeah, uh, this game may come as a little bit of culture shock to you, yeah. Uh, just because there's there's just so much going on and it's so social. Mm-hmm. You you can't just be like here's here's an environmental puzzle. Good luck. Good luck. That's that's not a that's thing. That's not how you tell this story yeah. at all. 
and, yeah. and you're, you're gonna have a bad time if you try to tell it that way so yep. yeah i i i see this as a lot of fun uh-huh but as a huge challenge yeah yeah it really so. would be a challenge uh, we have we have one question. Yes, uh, this week from Knox, which is du- dutifully as uh, as always uh, from Knox. Always appreciate it. Um, always comes with such great questions. They do. Uh, so says, I have no experience with the Pelion or power to by, powered by the Apocalypse games, but I hear they don't really have the possibility of PC death. Is that right? If this is the case, what are some different ways you can build uh, that same sense of danger and tension found in more fatal types of role, of, of tabletop games? Um, I'm going to start off by saying that Powered by the Apocalypse does have fatality in it. It does. But it is player-driven. It is, you know, being removed from a scene does not mean death. Being removed from the game does not mean death. Mm-hmm. It means finality, but it, it doesn't mean death. Um and I think that is the one of the takeaways of Power by the Apocalypse is that death is the end of a story. It it it's not it, it's not tension. It's it's you know uh, it's kind of I don't know anticlimactic mm-hmm. in in a lot of ways. So when death comes around, is it what the player wants? Is the player forcing their own hand into that so that? You have something substantial and meaningful that that adds to the story and adds to all of the players' enjoyment and and awe and wonder of the story, and that's that's where you really need to have that. I don't think it should ever be used as as a consequence um, or as a uh, as a if if you don't do well, you could die. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a tactical thing. That's that's now we're getting to tactics. And yeah. Power by the Apocalypse is not tactical. It really is not. No, it really, it really isn't. It's very. I mean, even, even. God, the, the most, the most tactical version of Powered by the Apocalypse I've seen is Dungeon World, and that's just like diet D anD D. But even then, it's still very narrative. And yeah. How, like it doesn't have any rules for like miniatures or spaces or grids or anything like that. And everything is just like okay. Uh, it's it's it seems like it's about your turn, Rob. What are you doing? Yeah. What's yeah. what's the initiative order? What's initiative? Yeah. You get to do something. Yeah. You know? Um, I would say keep keeping in mind that, um, first off, Powered by the Apocalypse is not a monolith. It's just a game system. Correct. So it really depends on which game you're talking about as to whether or not death takes place in it. Right. This particular one? Eh, it doesn't, yeah. seem, doesn't seem like it is. No. Um, something like uh, 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 Dungeon World actually has a – there's a move in the game mm-hmm. called uh, Last Breath or something mm-hmm. like that where it's like when your character takes their last breath. Mm-hmm. You bargain with death for your character's life, you know. Uh, it, that that gets pretty grim, but it turns it it turns death into a storytelling beat. Correct, which I think it always should be. So when you when you ask um, what sense of danger or tension can be found in more fatal tabletop games, it's all about scope. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, it's all about essentially making the bad things that are not death sound like the worst option. Yeah. And just framing them as such. Getting you know? caught. Um, or get, getting caught. Or, or like, you know, if we don't do something about this, our mentor, who we care about deeply, is going to slip into the shadow forever. He's going to be one of them. Yeah. And we might have a hard time bringing him back. He could do some bad things if we don't bring him back from the shadow. Is he, he dead? He... No. Is he going to kill people? I don't know. Probably not. Is it going to affect others? Is it going to yes. affect others? Is it going to be bad if he does that? Yes. Is the shadow bad? Yes. Is is a dragon given into the shadow bad? 
absolutely. And and that becomes your bad consequence. So, <laughs> so next right. week's topic, <laughs> we already hit the end of this. We're uh, actually going to be uh, talking about environmental storytelling and maps, yes. specifically. Uh, specifically. We've got a lot of, uh, we're, we're doing a lot of uh, uh, online gaming nowadays, so we all need to talk about maps. Um, anyways, you can find us on Twitter at ST underscore Conclave, on Instagram at ST underscore Conclave. Listen to us live every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on MixLR.com slash Storyteller dash Conclave. And join us up on our Discord. Uh, you can find that link on our Twitter as well as StorytellerConclave.com, our website. We'd like to thank our Patreon members, especially our name members, Knox in the Box, Sam, the Arcane Asylum, Sparkle Motion, Veteran, and Hulavu. We really appreciate all your help. Our pre-show music is by Arcane Anthems. You can find that at Patreon.com slash Arcane Anthems. Our intro music is Beyond the Warrior by Geefrog. You can find that at GeefrogMusic.Webly.com. Our outro music, Only Our Footprints in the Sand, is by Midair Machine. You can find that at SoundCloud.com slash Midair Machine slash Tracks. And a shout-out as always to our families, Vicky and Sean. Thank you so much for thank loving you. us and supporting us. All of our friends who sat with us at our tables and given us all these great stories to share with you over the years and you every single one of our listeners we love you you so much love you good night good night